Hey, as we get back into society, let's remember, people will punch you in the fucking mouth. Welcome to the Matt Mindset. I'm Drew Elder. I'm here today with Gregory Sanzo, former professional Muay Thai fighter in Thailand. Greg, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Going to get back to your roots a little bit here. Cool. <laughs> I'm triggered. <laughs> so how did you get involved in Muay Thai? Uh, so, you know, I was athlete from a young age. I did taekwondo and some, my dad was a boxer and wrestled so i had a background in a lot of martial arts and then played soccer in college for a couple of years and then left that to be in a band right and toured the country in a metal band and started working in bars and stuff and i guess i was uh i very efficiently handled a situation one night and a few of my friends got in my head they're like dude you should you should fight ufc bro <laughs> you make a lot of money like yeah you know and yeah, you know, I was never into like the semantics of what was going on and, and that side of it. But then a friend of mine uh, told me about Muay Thai, and and you know I had seen Bloodsport, I'd seen you know Ong Bak, and like I understood oh, what classics. Muay Thai was, right, yeah. right. But he convinced me to go check out a gym, and I did first time. I actually trained with Sammy uh, first time at Revolution back in the day. way back in the day and I just loved it fell in love with it I mean I was 25 26 years old like I was a freak athlete at the time yeah like you know college soccer a kinesiology guy like personal trainer I was on a quest to be as like at my peak physical condition right and I was about 210 pounds could probably run a four eight four seven forty. I was a freak, but yeah. very muscular and pretty pretty efficient still. And just was from then on, I was just hooked. Just whacking stuff became really <laughs> fun to me. <laughs> so you took it. You you took a couple one tie classes at Revolution with Sammy, and then what made you decide you you moved to Thailand? What made you decide to move out there? Uh, man, so I started and. <clears throat> You know, it's with Sammy and, and TJ and, you know, a bunch of other guys, Woody, a bunch of other guys that are still, you know, you never leave it once you do it. But um, I did a bunch of amateur fights early. I started training with Bob and Corley at Houston Muay Thai before they they created their own things. Like, And I fought 14 times in the first year, I think. I was just absolutely hooked. I mean... I after I started training, I went to Thailand for a trip. This was really what got me hooked. It was my first trip to Thailand. I was there for a month. I had had two smokers. Had been training maybe three months, four months. Two smokers already. I had my first smoker like a month in. Went to Thailand. Got there. Was training, and like a weekend, the gym boss was like, "You fight two week. You fight," <laughs> and. You know, I was like, yeah, sure. yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, I asked uh, a, a buddy of mine who now he trains up in San Antonio, Gary, Gary, OG Gary, if you do Muay Thai in Houston, you ever train with Gary, you know, Gary's the real OG. Uh, shout out Gary. Gary. I looked at Gary and I was like, 
should I do it? And he was like, well, what do you, yeah, do you want to do it? And I was like, well, f- fuck yeah. And he was like, well, yeah. do it. And I'm like, all right. So I did it. And I fought a, a American Swedish guy that was also on a trip to Thailand. Similar levels. He had had a couple MMA fights or something. Uh, and I broke his arm in like the first round. It was, that, that was it. I was like, okay, I'm going to do everything I can to do this. Yeah. It was just, I was hooked. Experienced Thai culture. Like, you know, I trained with some legends at Sitmun Chai my first trip. Like, learned from, you know, Dep Nimit, Sitmun Chai, and Pornsene Sitmun Chai, like the Moy Mat heavy punch and low kick style. It was just hooked on that. So after, like, learning that and, and, and then fighting and, fighting for my first trip i mean i had a pro fight basically on my yeah. first trip you know yeah came back and fought amateur for you know that year i fought on the glory undercard i fought a tournament and a bunch of as, as much stuff as i could that lk1 the legacy kickboxing oh yeah 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 i fought on that with a bunch of names and did as much as i could and probably got on my coach's nerves enough for them to just say, look, you go just to move. Thailand. <laughs> <laughs> just go to Thailand. Yeah. We don't want to fuck with you anymore. Go yeah, to Thailand. Yeah. Uh, which was great. And, you know, uh, I, I'm glad they did. Yeah. You know, so then I sold everything, moved to Thailand, and I just dove into the deep end. That's awesome. Yeah. What was the, so, you know, how some, I'm sure some of those guys, or you've heard of the, uh, in Phuket, Taiwan, they train with Tiger Muay Thai guys, and they offer like deals and stuff. Where where were you staying? Like some of the guys that I know have been out there, they've stayed like at the gyms, in these bungalows or whatever. Yeah. So when I was ready to move, I I started thinking about like where, where do I want to train? And I didn't want to go to like Tiger at the time. Now Tiger is a renowned striking right. gym, right? And a lot of pros go there. A lot of pro UFC people train there, and a lot of really good Muay Thai people do train there still. Um, but at the time it, it, it was still, I think some ties took it over and then, you know, really reshaped it in the last 10 years. I wanted to go to a Thai style gym and, and I started looking at like, who were my favorite fighters, who had the styles that I wanted to learn and emulate. And it was a, it was kind of a no brainer for me at the time. I mean, I, I chose Pet Yin D, which is one of the best gyms, but Nong O. Gayung Karao, Sam A, uh, Pet Dom, a lot of the the stable fighters for Pet Yin D, like really sh- like I saw as like the best and guys I wanted to learn from. Nongo especially. Nongo is, I mean, you know, he's 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 getting towards the end of his career, but he's a legend. He's known as one of the best, um, and it, it was just him and Sam A really is what I really. It was like, I got to go learn from these guys. They're my favorite to watch. They're my favorite to see. And then little did I know or understand that Pet Morricott, who's a knee and clinch guy, right? I liked him, but I didn't realize that I was going to be clinching him every day. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Absurd, like, gratitude for this, but I was a ragdoll for... Some days I'm sure sucked. A lot of days, yeah. especially <laughs> early. And I'm 20 pounds, 30 pounds bigger than him. Just getting thrown around. Thrown, and he's taller than me and looks like a beanpole at the time. <laughs> now he's a bit heavier. 
but at the time, you know, but no remorse. Yeah. I had to learn really quickly, but like that for sure, like Muay Thai strategy and technique and 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 fight IQ and and style with kicks and like with Nongo and, and Sam A, huge. Learned so much about Muay Thai. But Pet Morikot taught me clinch the hard way. Yeah. The I'm gonna make Fuck you, you up first. fucking yeah. drown. <laughs> I'm gonna drown you. Yeah. You're gonna wanna stop and then you're gonna learn. Right. Yeah. I feel like some of the was it is it true that some of the styles over there in in Thailand are I just like like you just described, very hard nose, hard knocks, just like beat the shit out of you until you get it right. Um, was that the gym that was that kind of what you were working with? Because you're you're a foreigner coming over there with maybe like a year experience. Am I a year, a couple years of experience? You go over there to Thailand, and they, I'm sure it was different as far as the training goes. Yeah, yeah, one hundred. Yeah, it was <laughs> absurd. I'd never trained at that level before. Yeah. And yeah, I'm I'm a goofy white dude that's <laughs> older than some of the guys that have already retired coming over like starting a career in Muay Thai. Yeah. Yeah, I had to like prove myself. I had to, you know, I had to like A learn the language and B as as, you know, willing to learn as I could, not just in the gym. Yeah. Like just everyday walk of life and I fucked up a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but you you learn and and if you don't learn from your environment, your surroundings, like you, you know, you don't last very long. Yeah. And I think one of the biggest things was that is like I had I lived at the gym. Okay. I, I got a I guess you would consider like a half sponsorship with Pet Yindi, right? They said, Here, you come train, prove yourself, fight, and we'll you don't have to pay for training, just pay for the hotel room. Yeah. Right. So I paid for my stay. I I also brought my girlfriend at the time. It was a terrible idea. <laughs> uh, we we had a hotel room basically above the at the gym. So Pet Yindi rebuilt their their gym and moved it out a little out in the suburbs, not, whatever. It's not really a suburb, <laughs> but uh, on the west side of Bangkok because it was above the old Lumpini, right? And then they rebuilt a whole new state of the art. I mean, they got a big office in there. They got you know. Uh, sauna steam cafe like hot tub ice bath super hot tub oh, <laughs> like yeah you know and the gym's on the second story and then everything above that is hotel rooms or, or rooms right for people coming in and training and then on the very top on the sixth floor is the fighter level right and that's like where they have the bunk rooms for all the fighters gotcha so at first i was in one of the rooms with my ex-girlfriend and we had a like a hotel room right above the gym and stayed there for a while. But then, you know, I moved gyms and came back. And when I came back, I was living with uh, the fighters and a couple of the pad holders in one of those rooms. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty fun. So how was life in Thailand? You moved out there and then just started your, your whole life, your whole life out there revolved around Muay Thai. Yeah. I mean, I was there to fight Muay Thai, but I'm a, I'm a nut. I, I come from a lot of, uh, different art forms and music and events and you know doing music festivals I, I did some stuff here before I went out there and I, at first it was just a complete culture shock like yeah what you know I knew what I was getting into from my trip but I didn't know 
how hard it was going to be to actually assimilate into a different culture and and really understand how to move a the language fuck you know that's, yeah that language shit's is hard. hard yeah uh, but I learned pretty quick in the gym you know nobody fucking spoke English except for Boat's sister Boat's the owner of Pet D Boat's sister and and her and but they were still like this fucking goofy white dude you know what I mean like yeah who was this guy yeah this fucking goofy white dude I mean he's got some potential he's an athlete you know what I mean yeah but and he probably doesn't know that we're gonna throw him to the fucking wolves right <laughs> he, he will fight anybody and we know that we know that stupid, yeah but hey it makes for a good gambling yeah. you know yeah. what I mean like yeah. they didn't they you know so they were unintentionally letting me figure it out yeah you know. So, I, was, I mean, you know, you could account that to the language barrier, too. <laughs> so I had to learn quick, and, and it, was, it was hard. It was, it was hard because, you know, that there's other fighters out there, and you can meet guys, and, and, and it, you create this support system around other uh, guys at other gyms, and you become friends whether you're partying with them or not, and, and, and you learn the ways, but it's, it's a... It's a drag you by the hair through the fucking mud. Yeah. So you, yeah. <laughs> Wait. I mean, it's just like anything. You can go to anywhere and chase, go to Brazil and as a beginner in jiu-jitsu, say say as a purple or a brown belt, you go to Brazil and you're like, I'm committing my life to fucking Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Yeah. Or I'm going to go to Japan and commit my life to judo or sumo. Like starting square one out there. Yeah, I mean, they're going to look yeah. at you like Really? What are you doing? Yeah. White dude? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is a job to yeah, us. Right. Like, that was one of the the the, the mentality shifting moments for me was uh, Sam D, right? He's he fight 115, 120, little guy, right? But he was kind of like at his peak right before I got there and was kind of starting to, you know, starting to retire at the time. He said this to me at the end of training. Like, we're all dead. We just finished abs and everything after, you know, three-hour session of pretty gnarly intense afternoon sessions at Pet UND. He's, he puts his head on my, my lap, and he looks up, and he goes, Sanzo, what do you do? <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean? And he's, like, catching his breath. He's like, wait, you, you love Muay Thai. Chop Muay Thai. Chop is like, you like. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I love it, love it. And he's like, he's like Muay Thai, same job. You know, I was like, "What are you talking what? about?" Yeah, he's like, "Same, same, same, same construction job, same, same." What, oh. you, what do you do? He's like, "What do you do? You crazy?" <laughs> <laughs> like, to them, that's what it is. It's yeah. like a, it's a career choice out of poverty. Yeah, if they're fucking top, if they're good, or Yod Moy, like they're they're one of the best Muay Thai fighters. They they find their way out of poverty through it. Here yeah. I am, some fucking you know adrenaline nut that you know found a a, a feeling of aliveness that you know i hadn't really experienced outside of other sports like fighting and now i'm you know you're there midway through my 20s chasing a career in it right you know it's like i think i feel like to them it's almost like a not like not a slap in the face but it's like they like you said they they trained to get out of poverty and you you came because you were taking it seriously it's different avenues you know different yeah they they now they get it because you know, and also you have to understand Thai culture. Like their their economy is based on tourism. 
it's like without foreigners getting interested and involved in Muay Thai, like it wouldn't be the industry that it is today. Yeah. I mean, period. And nobody, I mean, the top promoters years ago were saying the future of the sport is in foreigners. So at the same time, there was that acceptance of like, yeah, you're coming here because you like coming here as a foreigner with money. Yeah. You know, but also you want to, you want to adorn Muay Thai. I was in love with the <laughs> shit and they love that. Yeah. And then once you fight and you train hard and you, and you actually live the life, you learn the language a little bit, you, you're able to carry yourself confidently in public spaces and in situations without being an idiot <laughs> or uh, a falanki knock, which is, <laughs> that means like, what that means is bird shit foreigner. <laughs> <laughs> or what is it? Yeah. That's funny. It, that's what that, because bird shit is white. Yeah. That's actually really funny. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you don't want to do that. Yeah. And you don't, you don't, <laughs> don't want to be, be an that asshole guy. In the But, dude, country. I made myself yeah. an asshole more than a couple times. I had to learn the hard way. You know what I mean? How so? <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't realize the level of some of the people around me at the time. I was just an eager guy in love with the fucking sport, in love with the art form. I didn't realize some of the people that were coming up to me until after they pass away. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or after they've, like, the older OGs guys coming in, in the gym watching me train and, like, giving me techni- technical advice for, like, 10 seconds and then just watching me for another 10 seconds and then going back to the sauna, you know what I mean? And smoking yeah. their cigarettes and it, hanging out in the sauna watching weird Chinese soap <laughs> opera action things dubbed in Thai. Like, it, I didn't get it at the time, you know? Like, I was bumping shoulders with people that were legendary in the sport that I had just fallen in love with, you know? Yeah. So I, I think that was... I've probably made it myself an asshole a couple times there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but also not really understanding the Thai, like, way and not really understanding the right way to go about things like saving face they talk about in thailand like ties really save face they don't ever like you can't have a disagreement and go publicly and approach someone like drew if we had an issue i'm walking up to you and I'm say hey bro let's fucking talk about this yeah and that's kind of aggressive but that's how i like i'm gonna want to get to the bottom of the situation i don't like right. shit to linger right yeah if you do that that's very offensive in Thailand, like you can't approach someone and and call them out for what they did wrong, they lose face, right? You have to very carefully navigate situations, otherwise you get in trouble. And the wrong people, like if you get on the wrong people's bad side in Thailand, you're in, you're in pretty bad shape. So describe. You keep mentioning the Thai culture. What what was it a hard for you to assimilate to? I no, it's just, I mean, dude, there's so many things like. You know, everything's slower. Like, Thai time is a, a funny <laughs> Thai thing. Thai time. Yeah. It's because, you know, they'll say, I'll be there an hour or three hours later. Oh, shit. But it's, that's on account of traffic. It's not, you know, everybody, like, here we're rushing, rushing to do everything. You know? Yeah. You know, like, if you look at my calendar today, it's stupid. Like, I have to leave here. <laughs> like, I have to drive through this ap- apocalyptic ice storm that we yeah. did once every <laughs> yeah. 10 years. Right to make it to the rest of my day and then I have five things stacked on top of each other, you know? Like, that's not just, that's not how they move. It's <laughs> not yeah. how they do things. You know, some some people do, but, like, for the most part, everybody's, you know, sabai sabai means relax. Like, everybody moves a little bit slower. And 
They don't not quite as in a rush, and they're definitely not as confrontational as I might be sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> or I think as any American, maybe. Yeah, most Americans, you know? most Westerners, not just yeah. Americans. It's you know, it's a different way of life and living and and thought, really. Yeah. So it's it's different, but most Thai people are very very sweet and want to help you. You know, that's well, awesome. Well, and some aren't. Some are not. Yeah. Some don't care about anything except how much money you have. Uh, that, that's but that's typical yeah. in a develop in a different country than somewhere in the West that is used to foreigners coming there with a lot more money than them. yeah yeah. You know? How hard was the language to pick up? Uh, I mean, I imagine it's like you just get immersion therapy. It's like once you get involved in it, once you're around it for so long, and people speak it around you, you start picking up on little words here and there. But yeah, so like first, you know. You start understanding taxi tie is what they call it, right? And that's taxi tie is you can say left, right, straight, back, stop. Okay. <laughs> you can you can count. You can say how much money is what. Like you know, that's kind of where it starts. And then, but in the gym, like I was getting all sorts of <laughs> yeah. information. Yeah. Yeah. And then I dated a Thai girl, a, oh. cu- a couple different Thai girls, <laughs> and. <laughs> But that's th- honestly was the best thing that that as far as really understanding the nuances and the the, the depths of their culture, like yeah, uh, yeah, I dated a crazy Thai mafia chick. <laughs> I was gonna say I saw you on another podcast on YouTube. I forgot the name of it, but they were mentioning that uh, you told this story that how you dated this this Thai girl and the culture. I guess is different as far as them dating white people. Uh yeah, foreigner. I mean, yeah, yeah I, or foreigners in general, not so just white guys. And this, yeah, and this is it, it. It's a touchy thing to talk about sometimes because, um, you know, girls will come out of poverty in the same way that that fighters do, and they'll choose to move to a bigger city to enter the sex trade, to the sex industry, right, or work at a bar. And bar girls in Thailand, they, you know, every drink that that girl, you buy a drink for that girl, and that that girl puts her bar card down with her ID on it. She works for the bar, or works with the bar, or has some sort of arrangement <laughs> with the bar. She gets a percentage of every drink you buy. Oh, yeah. And then you want to go home with this? I never participated in this part. I never believed in buying <laughs> but <laughs> no 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 so but that if you went home with a Thai girl and I learned all this from my mafia chick yeah girlfriend, the bar takes a percentage of what you pay that girl dang yeah so that's crazy yeah it's crazy yeah. but I mean that's it's a different level of acceptance you have to understand that like that's we did that. We did that. We created that yeah. for them during Vietnam. We had a base there. In yeah. Pontiac. So that exploded the sex industry and the sex trade there. And I don't think, you know, it probably, it probably just never came back from it or never figured out. You know, no, it became a trade. It became like a, 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 a profession. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and some girls in their mentality at that age, it's, it's the best option. Yeah. Or they're going to stay out on the farm, you know? Yeah. And they don't want that. Yeah, so they go to these big cities and they start working in the bars. Like, you know, 
But that's just the base level of it. Yeah. <laughs> that's the entry. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. The, that's what most foreigners experience when they go there. Right. You know, is yeah. they, they see they go out to bars and they see girls partying. And they're hey. like, I want to party with that girl. Yeah. They don't know that that girl works for the bar. Right. Yeah, they don't. Then you get involved in some deep shit. Well, I never got involved yeah. in deep right, shit. Right, 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 right. But I was a close enough degree of separation to where it got kind of weird. Shady, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I found out that she was basically brokering weapons deals. Oh. In, like, Hong Kong and China. She would go out of town to, like, Malaysia or Hong Kong or China. And, stuff, and she was actually brokering deals. But I, she told me she was doing other things. I figured she might have had like another boyfriends or yeah. foreigners. At that point, I'd been around long enough to understand the reality, right? Like, some of these girls have four or five different guys, two or three at least, the guys sending them money every month or so, and they just they come in once a month or, you know, that's yeah, their works there or something. You know? How long did you stay out? How long did you live out there? It was about four years total. Okay, like I came back a couple times, and then when I went back the final time. I, I that's when I got put in Thai drug prison. It was my last time there. Oh. I mean, outside of the time I went this past summer to film for a documentary work. Right. But, yeah, my yeah. last, like, stint in Thailand was going to Thai drug prison and then having a six-month probationary period where I had some of the best fights of my career, really, in that period. And then I got kicked out, even though I wasn't supposed to. Of Thailand? <laughs> of Thailand, Oh. Yeah. And I had a five-year ban. Yeah. So they, they got me for overstay. So there's this thing in the Thai or, uh, legal system. It's really <laughs> it's jumbled. <laughs> we'll call it jumbled. Yeah, yeah. I got picked up for a joint of weed. And then I tried to get the U.S. Embassy involved, which pissed the cops off. So they just pushed me through the system. It's a long story, yeah. but they just pushed me through the system and put me in Thai jail because I called the embassy. Oh. So they couldn't keep the money that I was paying to get out of it, basically. Oh. Yeah, long story short. Yeah. <laughs> really crazy See, long like story. A, really yeah, crazy yeah. long story short. Paraphrase a, jo- here. a joint of weed. They, <laughs> they, I was the only one that pissed dirty in the car. It was maybe mine probably mine I don't, I don't know did they drug test you yes yeah, so for they all the fights? that's yeah. that's no for fights yeah i was gonna <laughs> say yeah <laughs> no <laughs> no they don't drug test me i probably wouldn't have fought half my yeah. fights holy shit i mean that's laughable but yeah i was maybe sober for half of my fights maybe out really? of 36 fights maybe half of them i was sober what kind of what were you doing i mean Weed Besides and alcohol, yeah. really, but okay. nothing too crazy. crazy. No, nothing too crazy. I mean, I would take some ecstasy or some acid if somebody gave it to me, but not before a fight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. like, if I'm out, you know, I would do whatever out clubbing and going to, I mean, do they love music festivals over there? And I was yeah. in the music festival world, so, like, there's music festival every freaking weekend. So it was hard. When you talk about life, like, it was hard for me to not get distracted. Yeah. I got pretty distracted. I was going to... Pretty yeah. quick. <laughs> pretty quickly, I got distracted. Um, Just with the music festival scene or... No, not even that. I didn't start trying to dabble in that out there until later on, but um, no. It, it The party scene, you know? Yeah. I started working security at uh, one of the bigger hip-hop clubs there called Sugar. It's like 
the one of the main party streets in Bangkok, Soy Eleven. They have a big, the biggest, one of the biggest hip hop clubs in the city. And I was working VIP security in there. And you meet some characters in there. Yeah. And you meet people that want to pay you to just hang out with them and pose as their security because I'm a big white guy that fights Muay Thai on TV. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, it was hard for me to not get partake in. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I also, you know, at the time was full fledged alcoholic. Oh. Full fledged. Yeah. <laughs> so been a f- alcoholic for a long time. But at that point, I was using Muay Thai to try and get away from it. Yeah. And I did successfully for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, and then I found my way back to, you know, to, to my toxicities that were already a part of my life, you know. I feel like the working security in the, the bars and stuff probably didn't help. No. <laughs> it was I mean, I had to make money. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and I, I was... I wasn't fighting enough or making enough fighting to actually supplement my life there. there you know, you got to get to the very top. And even at the very top, you know, I'm, I was fighting on TV, but I was getting paid 600 bucks U.S. Okay. You know? So like, you know, a couple thousand bots or whatever the currency is. Over no, there. like 10 to 20 to 30,000 bot, you know? Yeah. yeah. And then on TV, you get a little bit more, but really... Like, if you have a good fight, like, sometimes gamblers are cool, and they'll come up and give you a tip. Oh, cool. You know? That's cool. Yeah. That's cool when that happens. But, but yeah, when that happens. But <laughs> then there's also times where you're <laughs> you're fighting, and you realize, wait, this is a setup. I was never supposed to be here. I They, this, my trainers bet against me. <laughs> oh, shit. So, <laughs> so it's like, uh, what is it, where that... Uh, What's that Ong Bak where they're betting on these guys like in the where you know when Tony Ja goes into like the thing yeah, and fights the crazy white dude with long hair yeah and they're all betting on the big ass white dude and he knocks him out with one kick and everyone scoops the money up and all that yeah that's, that's how it is that's how Muay Thai is <laughs> I mean they're they're really trying to move away from you know the the traditional gambling style Muay Thai with these newer promotions like one championship right yeah entertainment style Muay Thai is really the the go and then Raja World Series right who's they're doing a really good job of of kind of trying to retain the essence of Muay Thai but also make these three round more entertaining fights happen right yeah and they're they're doing a good job but you know that there's still promotions in Thailand that are specifically for the traditional style gambling like gambling influenced five round Muay Thai the way you know it's traditional traditionally right and that I think is important for people to understand is there's two different styles of of Muay Thai and the entertainment Muay Thai is growing that's the thing it it is it's growing and and globally it's it's um, it's it's getting huge but I've got brain damage because fighting fucking Muay Thai. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need more brain damage. Yeah. Like, I get it. Knockouts are great, but damn, dude. Like, With the four-ounce gloves now, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, the MMA gloves. Yeah. It's tough. I mean, it's an arguable thing. Like, And I get it. You know, it's a fight. Like, and MMA guys are like, ah, you pussy. But, like, the way Muay Thai is different, sport, different right, sport. it changes the game completely. It changes the game completely. And, yeah. and, that, and, and some argue that that is needed but or has been needed for it to be globally recognized and i agree and i disagree someone that's like lived it and been there and right. seen it at the highest levels and gone to channel seven stadium which is like 
the traditional Thai style. It's like Sunday night football or Monday night football there. Sunday noon, every Sunday, and it's in a TV studio. Oh. And there's stadium seating, and it's all gamblers, and then one section of foreigners. It's the craziest environment you could ever imagine. For, like Bloodsport, where they're like, yeah, before dude. the when the name drops, and they're like, da da da. Yo, it is crazy. I mean, that's awesome. You used to see this, not so much anymore. I think they've gotten better at hiding it. You used to see people up in the corner of the stands with a, a board and like ten cell phones, all hooked to one microphone, and they're calling the fight and taking bets and changing and telling the odds, telling they're they're, they're verbally talking about how the fight's going. While they're brokering, ten people betting, live betting, while they're there at the fights. Wow. Yeah, it's wild stuff, man. That's awesome. It's pretty crazy. But so I want to talk about the like just a day of training. You said it was fairly intense. So what what did a day consist of? So it, it, and how many days like did you train? Seven days a week, six days a week. Six days a week. Sundays you usually rest, but some guys would go do a long run Sunday yeah. morning, right? And the mentality is completely different. How so? Well, no run, no fight in Thailand. Fair. If you don't do the runs, you're not going to fight. Yeah. I mean, and you wake up, it's a it's a 7 to 10k run every day. Every day. Every day. So you wake up at what? Like 4 a.m., 5 a.m.? No, it's like 6, like 5:30, you start walking down, you start putting the liniment on, shoes on, and everybody starts to run at about 6. And you get back. And so that's, you know, uh for us Westerners or us Americans, it's, you know, three and a half to seven miles, yeah. four to seven miles, right? Roughly. Roughly, every morning. <clears throat> and then you get back and then you have your bag work, right? Or you have some kick sparring, depending on the day, right? You do all your bag work, you do kick sparring, and then some strength and conditioning, some footwork drills maybe, right? Uh, depending on the day. And then you eat and then you sleep. Like, you've... You sleep during the day. Yeah. You don't, I mean, A, it's 100 degrees, 100, 100, uh, you know, 100% humidity all the time. Right. But you sleep because the evening session, you know, it's even more intense. Depending on the day, you start with a a, a 3K, 2.5 to 5K run. So like a two to three mile run. And then you hit pads depending on if you're fighting or not, or you go do freestyle bag work, right? And you rotate in as pad holders. Pad pad work in Thailand it's is... It's different. I've seen videos. It's It's way completely different. Yeah. different. Yeah. So what... So I was at a, at Pet Yindi at a pretty pivotal time for Muay Thai training where they were bringing in sports scientists. They had me doing their strength and conditioning at first when I was there, and I helped kind of give... I tried. They they were trying to have an open mind towards Western strength conditioning. Yeah, and I was giving them stuff that I was using programming for for myself. Right, introducing, you know, functional movements and and doing, you know, balance based stuff on top of explosive stuff, not just lifting weights. Right, and and then they brought in a sports scientist that was half Thai or that was Thai that went to school in the UK. And he showed up while I was there, and I was like, yeah, please, because I just want to train. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. And so they started using heart rate monitors and oh. literally got scientific with the training uh, while I was there. And it's pretty cool to see because traditionally it's just 
yeah. you know, just you go fucking bang pads for 10 rounds. And well, you know, so they have a re- they had a really interesting system when I was there and I, I love it. And pad work would be eight minute rounds. You would do three eight minute rounds when you're six weeks out of pads of pads. Jesus Christ. Eight minute rounds. And it's it's nonstop. Nonstop. I mean, it kind of starts slow and they work with technique a little bit. And then for the last four minutes of each round, it's you're picking up pace. You're picking yeah. up pace. You're picking up pace, right? And then you get to about a month out, right? And then they go to four minute rounds. And now you're doing five four minute rounds, right? And it's pretty intense starting to pick up. They don't go five at least yeah <laughs> at least <laughs> yeah some guys are sitting there for eight rounds ties right they, yeah you know we me as a foreigner coming in as a bigger guy like no way i can train at their volume i fucking tried yeah and i got rabdo once I, oh you shit. know i got you know some uh I, I lost a lot of nutrients one time from like i got food poisoning and just overtrained a bunch a couple times you know and had to learn the hard way that I couldn't quite. But if you don't fucking run, you're not fighting. <laughs> no matter what. No matter what. Yeah, you yeah. can coast through some pad work. You can coast yeah. through some bag work, right? <laughs> you can't coast through clinch. Yeah, no, no, no. But yeah. you're not fighting if you don't do the runs. That's it, period. Man. So, yeah, it was it was pretty tough. In the evening, so after your pad work, then you've got bag work, and then you've got 45 minutes of clinch at Pet UMB every day. Every day. And the first 30 minutes is like, you know, okay. And then the last 15 minutes is supposed to be like. Actual, like sparring. Yeah, yeah, hard. Yeah. Hard. Like, like knee, knees hard too? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dude. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, you know, there's certain, there's some video of me and Nongo. Like, if you watch one of Nongo's training videos, there's a video of me, like, like clinching with him. And you can see, like. Nongo is nice, but they were using me with Nongo because I was big and strong, and he had fights coming up, and they wanted him to, you know, clinch with somebody heavier. Yeah, it was great. Um, bad for me. <laughs> it was great for him. Great yeah. for him. <laughs> and no, but I learned so much. And and then Pet Morcott just, you know, he he gave no shits. <laughs> he was I. Him and I didn't become cool until about six months in, and we played soccer. And he saw that I was good at soccer. Yeah. I played in college. Right. Yeah. I'm so a he's football. Like, oh, right. right. <laughs> yeah. And he and then he started kind of liking me. And then and then I started sweeping him a bit and clinch and I started not gassing out as much. And I would last the whole forty five minutes and probably give him good run. Yeah. Well, he was still He probably he still needs the shit out of me. But yeah, man, it it's a it's a different world there. And you know, and it's a different level of training that they've been doing since they were kids. Right. Yeah. How long did it take you to, like, adapt to that, the structure, the style? Because, you know, over here, like, uh, you train Muay Thai and, or MMA or whatever. If you're doing one combat sport, sometimes it's two sessions a day, sometimes it's three. Mm-hmm. But then it's, you know, not as intense. You just explained you did, like, six sessions in one day. It seems it's basically six hours a day you're training. Yeah. At, you know, basically every day. So I was so eager as an athlete early to, like, understand and learn that, like, what how they were training. Like, 
I was running every morning and doing some bag work every morning, and I was training in the afternoons and evenings. But it it was it took me a few grueling months of like, damn, this is every fucking day. Yeah, yeah, this is every day. Like, and it's not just like, oh, some days are lighter, some days are. No, it's the same it's fucking intense. intensity every day. Every day. <laughs> <laughs> every day, yeah. It was tough. It so what was your diet like? Thai food. I mean... Noodles? Well, yeah, rice. noodles, rice dishes, you know, chicken and rice. And did they cook for you or did you have Yeah, to so they, there's a cafe there at the gym, and most gyms they do, you know. Um, That's cool. A couple of the other gyms that I trained at, like one of them, Chihuatana, is like a legendary gym kind of tucked in this alley like outside of Chinatown in Bangkok and uh, they cooked right there in the gym so like you're clenching towards the end of the session right and and they're over there cooking and then they just bust tables out right in the matted area where people train and you sit and you eat all together right after training that's cool yeah it's great that's nice yeah I'm sure so that they make sure that your nutrition's on point and all that stuff I mean you eat Thai food is it necessarily like the most nutritious I mean dude I blew up between fights <laughs> because there's a ton of good sweet stuff there. Oh, right. <laughs> a ton. There's so, like, the, I mean, the little, so they usually have markets, you know, in each area, certain days of the week will have markets. Yeah. And the markets are just, like, food, trinkets, clothes, you name it. But the food, dude, <laughs> it's so easy to get fat. Oh, yeah. I believe it. It is easy to stay in shape and eat right, 100%. If you take all the oils and all the MSG and all the shit that they like to add to it, all the sugars. And yeah. They, they put a lot of weird stuff in their stuff that gives you cancer. But Like you know. what? <laughs> well, I mean, MSG stuff's kind of bad. Yeah. Pretty bad. I've heard about that. Yeah. And they, like, just pour scoopfuls. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's bad. Oh, no. I mean, it tastes great. Yeah, yeah. It tastes yeah. great, but... Man, and just a lot of oils and stuff, but you know, it is relatively healthy. Their, yeah. their cuisine is relatively healthy. And I, you're probably wa you're walking everywhere too, so if you need yeah. to go places, you're not driving around in a car or anything like that. Uh, so. Motorbike, motorbike, taxi, or you yeah. walk, right? And there's yeah. plenty, like the way most places are set up in Bangkok, you can walk to where you need to go. Right. If you go out to like Sitman Chai or like a gym out in the rural area, rural areas. Yeah, you kind of got to take a motorbike or something. Um, but Bangkok, everything's, you can get Centralized. to. Centralized. Yeah. yeah, dude, it's it's insane to really grasp how big that city is. Yeah. And how stacked it is. Oh, yeah. It's I've insane. never been to Thailand. I've never been out of the country. But that's one of the places that I would like to visit. I, I highly, highly suggest it. I think it's a, a beautiful place to see and, and experience. I think that... Like all places, it's got its dark realities. Sure. For yeah. sure. I mean, but I just had a knack for finding him. That's all. <laughs> we are going to get into that. In yeah, a oh, here we go. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, but I, I, do, I am curious about <clears throat> their, uh, you know how people here are very, some gyms are more cleanly than others, mm -hmm. and they make sure to keep their equipment clean and their mats cleaned and have them professionally cleaned, you know, every so often. What was it like? Were you the one, were the fighters the one cleaning the gym, or, or and how often did that happen, if ever? Yes and no. Uh, so at smaller gyms, like, or, you know, gyms that are, I guess, cater more towards foreigners, like, they have a cleaning staff, you know? Right. 
Now, smaller gyms, you'll see the kids cleaning. Absolutely. After every session, they're they're sweeping with their the bamboo brooms and then they'll mop. And yeah, they clean after every session. Now, I've trained in rat's nests. I've yeah. trained in gyms where I'm like, this shit's dirty as fuck and I love it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and and that kind of became what I prefer. But I also trained at state-of-the-art facilities like Pet D. They were brand new gym. They, they were still like building and putting stuff in like. We had like a fitness center and you know oh, okay had, yeah like cool we had stuff in the the sauna and the the, the hot tub area and stuff in the bottom stated it's like you would think you're in a resort yeah the hotel rooms feel like a hotel room you that's, know it's okay that that's, that's cool. what that was the gym i was at the most time i was there and then i left and i came back like a year later so that's cool yeah i mean that is my consider my home gym they i mean boat really gave me a huge chance and then i failed <laughs> in a in a blazing uh, glory of alcoholism and drug use and then he gave me another chance and so which is crazy you know yeah it's crazy during your training how do you shin conditioning this is a common question yeah cuz i think that needs to be summed up with one statement Kick shit hard. <laughs> now it's not like like, dude. Don't go kick trees. Yeah. I know, cool. Yes, I've kicked down a banana tree in Thailand. It's kind of something you just want to fucking do yeah. because you've seen it done in movies and whatever. But but, like, don't bash your shins with weird shit. Don't like, God, dude. I saw someone show up to the gym recently, an MMA guy and. And he had these weird notches like all over his shin with like bruise markings around him. And I'm like, what are you doing? Was like, I was kicking a pole trying to like toughen my shins. Okay, <laughs> look, like I just slapped myself in the face because I'm just like, look, kick hard pads, kick a hard bag, and fight. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Like my shins, the first time I had, it was like my. Th- third or fourth fight i fought in houston amateur fight muay thai kingdom i don't know if you I've got heard to, of it. you know yeah yeah, yeah. show corley put on and it was the first time i fought without shin guards and i was punch punch low kick that's all i wanted to do and the dude kept checking low kicks but i didn't give it i was just kicking through his shin i yeah. didn't care right i think that the fear of what is gonna happen or how it's gonna feel is more intense than the actual pain Right. And yeah, we see people break shins because they're kicking wrong. Yeah. Because they're aiming below the knee. Uh, Yeah. Okay. Arguably, the calf kick kick works in MMA situations with guys that are real bladed and real wide. Like, cool. That's the only fucking scenario that makes any (laughs) goddamn sense. Excuse my language. No, go for it. No, because, dude, it's just, it's such a silly thing to me that. Even basic understanding of Muay Thai, a basic understanding of balance and and being able to shift your weight into a defensive position equals a very easy ability to lift your leg and check a low kick. Yeah. Right? Like, that's just basic Muay Thai understanding. Right. I don't care if you're a wrestler. I don't care if you're a Taekwondo fucking jump around, spinny, hop around all over the ground. 
checking a low kick is pretty damn basic in, spar- in, in striking. That's pretty basic. Yeah. Right? A calf kick works because people don't understand basic Muay Thai or checking a low kick, right? It's it's silly. Now, shin conditioning just comes down to kicking hard bags, kicking hard pads, training a lot. The nerves get dead pretty quickly. It took me about 10 fights before I was like, I don't even feel it anymore. Yeah. You know? About maybe, maybe a little more, but fighting professionally, no shin guards, all that, like... Dude, come the time to where I was never fighting with shin guards on, I, I just didn't. You don't feel it anymore. Yeah, it just like cool. Your stuff might be a little swollen and jammed up. You go for one, you know, four to seven mile run. Yeah, a couple runs and you're good. That's the mentality. It's not like I'm gonna ice and rest. And, yeah, I'm just gonna run it off. No, you yeah. run it off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, you 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 hurt. You can't train. Okay, run. bye wing. Yeah. It means go run. Yeah. Yeah. Bye wing. Oh, jet. Uh, you have problems. Jet, that means hurt. Oh, jet mock, nah. Okay. Bye, wing. <laughs> just run it off. Go run. Yo, I'm dead serious. And yeah. honestly, there's some truth to that. Like, Oh, uh, yeah. After yeah. Some, I mean, they make you drink some shit that like cleans out all the swelling after you fight, but that's a little different. Does it work? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's some Thai sorcery, bro. <laughs> it's, it's called, um, uh, what's it called? It, uh, it's this, it tastes like gasoline. <laughs> And you oh. drink it, and it makes you piss out your ass for, like, a good eight hours. But then you're good. Then you're good. Yeah. And then you, you, you can start training. Yeah. And that's why they make you drink it. Um, Man. I can't, I can't remember what it's called right now, but I, I've bought it for fighters here. Oh. <laughs> one, of my, one of my old my fighters that I don't train anymore, I, I left Corley's gym, and, and Grayson stayed over there, which is good for him because they have an actual – you know, good training regimen, good system. But Grayson, I brought up, you know, when he first started, and and I got him some of the stuff. <laughs> Lead on pun, that's what it's called. Okay, all right. Lead on pun, and you can buy it at the Thai market here. You can buy a street food Thai market or like Asian market. You can find it, but it doesn't look like anything. A, you wouldn't know what you're looking at unless someone showed you because right. it, it's a black bottle with a little white printed label that looks like it was. <laughs> print pressed into like <laughs> old right and and they're like you can tell it looks like they're like singularly printed and then put on there barely right um but you drink about half of it and then you drink a ton of water and yeah it, it basically clean they call it a blood cleaner but it you're supposed to only take like a teaspoon of it or a <laughs> tablespoon of it if you have like a stomach ache but fighters drink like half a bottle <laughs> or a whole bottle if yeah. you're really trying to. Swollen. <laughs> yeah, if you're really swollen up. Like I knew guys that would, not me, maybe me, that would <laughs> fight and then go drink that night or a couple nights in a row or a weekend and then chug the shit out of some Lennon Pond to get back to training that Monday. Shit. So like Sunday night, I'd be chugging Lennon Pond after partying for two days straight. And then clear out my entire system <laughs> by pissing out of my butt for uh, twenty four hours. Yeah, about about overnight, and then that morning wake up for the run, and like my body feels okay. Yeah, I mean it's like it's some sorcery shit. So I do want to talk about this is kind of a perfect segue. You said you went out and partied and stuff like that. Yeah, were you 
doing that prior to moving to Thailand, or did this happen? Oh, dude, yeah, I was I was working at bars before Houston because you're Houston. a Houston guy. Yeah. yeah, I worked at bars doing security and bar backing, and and before that, I was in a band. And okay, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> and before that, I was in I played college soccer with a bunch of goofy dudes that love to party. <laughs> so you know, did you ever think that like the alcohol would have been this much of an issue for you when you were in Thailand or were you just like fuck it I'm just gonna I'm gonna train and it's gonna get out of my system and I'll be all right I didn't understand that alcohol was an issue for me until I got sober uh, <laughs> fair, fair. Until, until I was like well you know I met my my wife and and there was some hard awakenings gotcha. in that process that like I was like oh shit I have an issue yeah losing family members left and right and you know to addiction issues like including my mother that wasn't enough yeah. <laughs> for me to get it. Like, like having a much less successful career in Muay Thai because I was drinking and stuff wasn't enough for me to get it. Almost dying in a motorcycle accident wasn't enough for me to get it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, the, the, the realization of that took a lot more than Muay Thai to take me out of that state. Even after your fights, when you would go, you would go out after your fights, and it was like when you went back to training, you didn't have any side effects from it, or dude, or? no, I was drinking during my fight camps. Wow, yeah, not all of them, yeah, and not like I'm drinking every night, yeah, but you bet your ass, yeah, you know, like for sure. <laughs> like when I say I'm, I'm an alcoholic, like, I'm yeah. an alcoholic, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, I, you know, I. I I would be pretty good about two to three weeks out. Two to three weeks out. But Did you ever get, like, DTs, the tr- delirium tremens or anything like that? Absolutely. Yeah. But I was cutting weight. Yeah. And it was just a part of it. <laughs> yeah. Well, how much did you have to cut? Uh, so I walked around. When I started, I was heavier, and I fought at 170 at first, and then I moved down to 155, 160, 155. And when I would blow up to cut to 170, I would be walking around about 185, 190. Okay. Yeah. But that 190 is, but, like, puffy and not good. Yeah. That's not good. That's, like, drinking. Like, yeah. That's drinking, eating all the Thai sweets. Yeah. You know. Not watching what you eat. Yeah. Not at all. Yeah. But even running and training and stuff, like, you know, I would still maintain it, like, 180, 185. Yeah. Yeah. Do you ever look back on your career during that time and you're like, man, if I wouldn't have been on this, I could have been, like, it would have been different? Oh, 100%. Yeah. I mean, I think that's natural for any of us that find their way out of addiction and alcohol. And I think that that's always going to be a thing, but I can't like at this point in my life, like I can't look back with regret on any of that stuff. Like, yeah, I could have been a better fighter. Yeah. I mean, dude, 13th in the world doing it for less than a decade. Like pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah. You know, I fought a lot of guys I had no business fighting, and I beat some guys <laughs> that I had no business beating, you yeah. know? But I lost a lot of fights probably due to the fact that I was so distracted, 100%. 100%. Yeah. Wow. What was it like fighting in those those the big stadiums with a bunch of people and all that? Was I mean, the music plays throughout the whole fight. Yeah. So I know that's tradition, but was that ever, like, distracting to you? No, when I said triggered... I meant oh. it at the beginning, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, that music doesn't have a distraction vibe to me. Like, that's 
it's like an alternate state of being once that music yeah. kicks on. Yeah. Right. And like in that, and what people don't understand is like the music changes as the fight progresses. Yeah, every round. Right. What you had playing there at the beginning is like round three, round four music, or round five even, where it's like the fight's almost over, and like everybody knows somebody's winning, and everybody knows somebody's trying to catch up. Right. Yeah. Like and the music's faster. You know. Yeah. So like triggered means like oh shit I've got to go get this knockout or I yeah. lose or I'm gonna lose. Yeah. 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 So I mean. It was never distracting to me. Fighting at Lumpani <laughs> <laughs> on a on a Petyan D card, the same night as some of the like legends that I was training with, was insane. Now, when I could hear the gamblers going fucking crazy because I was kicking his leg off. Yeah. Like, I almost came back and won that fight. I got knocked down in the first. Like I said, I cut a ton of weight, and then they I showed up, and they were like, opponent change, you have to lose three more pounds oh, or right. four yeah. more pounds, yeah. right? So I got into the ring really dehydrated. I didn't I didn't IV or anything, you know, but it was it's entertainment to the gamblers because you got two big foreigners fighting each other, and yeah, this guy's lost a bunch of weight this morning. Yeah, let's see what happens. Let's see what yeah. happens. <laughs> um, yeah, it fucking sucked. For me, that feeling, you can watch, I mean, you can see the video on YouTube. Like, my face is, like, like as I'm doing my Ramoy and my white crew, like, I'm walking around the ring, stealing the ring and doing the dance. My face is just like, this. I don't feel good right now. Yeah. This isn't good. But, and then, like, I get rocked. I'm seeing stars, and then I realize I'm landing low kicks, and I start hearing the gamblers. Because the yeah. gamblers are always, you're always going to hear louder cheers for the guy that's losing. Yeah. Right? Because they swap their bets. They change their bets in the middle of the round, like between rounds and stuff, as the odds change. Well, I start hearing the gamblers going crazy. Like, I, I land a low kick. Probably hey! <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's. Yeah. You're like, and I hear it. <laughs> yeah. And, like, usually at this point in my career in fights, I don't hear anybody. Maybe I hear my corner a little bit, and and I'll, I'll hear little commands here and there and in between rounds. But I, I heard the gamblers go crazy. Yeah. And that is a fucking cool feeling. Yeah. That's a cool feeling because then it's like, oh, shit. And then I got back to the, in the corner and boat, and, and – as a gym owner and a promoter, someone that owns promotions, his dad's a legendary promoter, and it's his promotion stuff, but he's gambling, too. He's fucking <laughs> yeah. gambling, too. Yeah. He he comes to me in between the round. My corner's telling me, you know, giving me instructions, trying to fucking wake me up. I'm still dazed. <clears throat> Boat comes to me and he goes, Sanzo, you want to win the fight? Low kick. Low kick. Only Low kick, low kick, low kick. You want to win? Low kick. Because guess what? Boat probably just put a fucking side bet that I was going to win the fight on via this next kick. round via low kicks, right? <laughs> yeah. But I had been battering the dude's leg, right? Yeah. But it didn't, you know, it's not I how it played it. out. He, he connected one more time, and I was already fucking dizzy and seeing stars. But, like, that was insane to see. And they made me shave that morning. I was pissed. <laughs> it's just tradition. Just, you can't okay. have facial hair okay. when you fight at Lumpini. Okay, just, that's just at Lumpini. Lumpini, Raja Dumnan. I think Raja started allowing beards and stuff with the new entertainment Muay Thai. And a couple of the foreigners from the Middle East were like, I'm not shaving her. I'm not yeah. fighting. You know? 
So I think there's been some shifts in that, which is good for the sport, just like they recently had women fight for a stadium belt at oh. Raja Damnon Stadium, which yeah. is huge. It's massive. I feel like it's, was it, is it primarily a male-driven sport over there? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Women weren't allowed to touch the ring. Really? Not even touch the ring. Wow. Yeah, and then when they started fighting, they had to go under the ropes. Not over. Not over the ropes. Man. Now, even still, they don't go under the ropes. They go through the middle. They don't go over the top. Still. Yeah. It's Man. wild. Yeah. But it's changing. There's a ton of women. Look at one championship. There's women. Yeah. Like Americans, like Janet Todd, and, and you know, there's a huge growth in the sport with women, and I think that's incredibly important. Yeah, as a sport growth in general, for sure. Right. Right. So you had these fights in Thailand, kind of got caught up in the party scene, did a little small stint in Thai jail, and then what What was your moment where you're like, I can't do this anymore? <sighs> so I came back and I fought for the American WBC title. I was winning the fight. Like, I was landing more. I was landing better shot. I was performing well. And I got hit with a goofy fucking spinning back elbow that hit me right between the eyes and split me open and gave me another minor concussion. I I would say that I was supposed to win that fight. Yeah. <laughs> Not that I'm I as a fighter at the time that was my thought at all, right? But the it probably would have been, you know, I I would say I would have been the favorite to win that fight. If Sanzo that, you know, Sanzo shows up. Yeah. <laughs> Depending on which Sanzo <laughs> yeah, shows yeah, up. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I lost in a way that really kind of bummed me out, you know? And before that, I lost to a dude that he he would argue it all day, but he got lucky and fucking clipped me with an elbow and I was I was starting to pick him apart. Yeah. I got clipped with an elbow, took another concussion. After the WBC fight, you know, I had like eight stitches, a goofy little X put in my forehead. It was pretty cool. Um, after that, it was kind of like, well, shit. You know, like, am I going to keep gunning and trying? But I think that I had lost the the, the fire to yeah. fight well before those two fights in the U.S. Like, my last two fights in Thailand, you can see, and they're probably some of my better fights, against Kiat Chai on MX Muay Extreme. Actually, I think it was one of the first Americans to fight Muay Thai with MMA gloves. It was before one championship. And so it's with MMA gloves called MX Moy Extreme. And it was there. It was around for a couple years. Uh, pretty entertaining fights. Yeah. I, I'm smiling in those fights. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, of course, like in a playful manner, like I'm fighting you, but like, you know, you're having like, a good time. You're, yeah, you're enjoying yourself. Like I was yeah. chilling, and my technique looked pretty solid. Yeah. Like, I almost pulled one off against Kiat Chai that arguably he got a really long count when I knocked him down, and uh, it's a crazy fight. I'll send it to you, but it, I lost that spark, like that that real desire to compete. Yeah. Like, I was doing it, 
just because you know I loved it, but right. I didn't really have that switch, that kill switch anymore. Probably for my last four or five fights. Now, I met my wife and I got married, and then you know I started experiencing you know kind of changes in my day to day mental right. Um, sure, there's a lot of drug and alcohol use and can fuck with your brain chemistry, but you know, like over 10 traumatic brain injuries at this point just from the tie fights from fighting and then like the, the motorcycle, motorcycle accident crash. yeah right? so yeah i'm i'm <clears throat> pushing it as far as brain damage i was and that was a concern with my father-in-law and my my wife and and the trajectory of my career wasn't going up <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. i had yeah. just i took two hard losses in thailand came back to the states and lost two fights that i probably Probably could have won. Um, no disrespect to those guys. I mean, fuck, right. fuck one of the guys because <laughs> he's a piece of shit. He's a troll. Yeah. He's a fucking troll. And I hope he listens to this. <laughs> I hope he knows that his antics. I mean, like honestly, I don't have any hate towards him. Like, I hope he's doing well as a coach and stuff. But he's a fucking troll. I hate people like that. I hate people that just like. I'll tag him if you want to tell me his name. Talk shit <laughs> to talk shit. No, it's not worth my fucking energy. I've <laughs> even gone down too much of the rabbit hole. But no disrespect to those guys, right? Like a yeah. fight's a fight, you know. Yeah. Nobody, it doesn't matter. That's the whole reason Muay Thai has such a, a lure, especially to the, the Thai people and in that culture. Is it's a fight's a, a fight's a fight. Anybody's got a chance. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, but I just I wasn't performing, and I wasn't mentally performing either. But it was because my life was a fucking mess and a blur, and I wasn't really settled, right, mentally yeah. at all at the time. So I, it just made sense. And then I broke my ankle playing soccer. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and that was like, okay, well, oh, there's the sign, <laughs> yeah. you know. And then I just started focusing on coaching and got in, got into filmmaking and did all that. So, it, it you know, I just, as a person, I like to create and I like to do things. I like to try and... Uh, bring people together for stuff and uh, just I do different things yeah so it Muay Thai was always an art and an escape for me and art always has been my escape uh, but it wasn't serving me much more than damage and heartache yeah when I retired so what was the like what was the healthcare like over there? Like post fight, you get let's say you get knocked out. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I want to talk, bro. About. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Corley texted me after one of my fights and said, "Yo, make sure you use some ice packs on your head." I was like, "What?" He's like, "Yeah, like ice your head." Like, I was like, "The fuck? Have... What are you talking about?" <laughs> yeah. No, I'm gonna go get wasted <laughs> and forget. Um, yeah, no, man, there wasn't recovery like the gym boss would tell you right like after a fight okay rest your body one week come back like he wants you to go disconnect and then come back you know yeah. I mean, but that's when you're fighting high level and guys will go see their family for a week maybe maybe two weeks and then be back in the gym maybe if they're like a champion fighter and they're making a ton of money in their fights right, right? the gym gets paid and then you can go home and chill for a week right yeah no it's uh yeah, it just what I wasn't. I wasn't there, dude. I wasn't there anymore. You know, was it just like 
I'm I'm saying like post fight, let's say you did get knocked out or something like that, mm-hmm. or you knock somebody out. What are they? What do the ties do? What as far as do they take you to the hospital? Because you know some guys in the UFC are well, now here. now they're they're taking a lot of precautions medically. Yeah, like after the fight, like they've got doctors ringside and stuff, and, and you know they'll stitch you up. You don't get numbed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah they'll <laughs> stitch you up. No anesthetic. Um, Gotta learn it somehow. As far as getting knocked out, knocked out and stuff, I mean, it's I. You know, I haven't fought in Thailand in a while, but you know, when I, you were there, though, you have a. I think there's a a protocol. You're not supposed to fight for a month. Yeah, but for six weeks, or something. But guys, I I've seen I've seen guy, and especially in the smaller stadiums, I've seen the same tie. Whether or not he was taking a fall or not, but I've seen the same tie get knocked out three weekends in a row. Oh shit! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but that's like smaller stadiums in Phuket and stuff. Like you know, I've seen I've seen some stuff, but I don't know. I don't think that the knowledge and understanding is as in depth as it is say here now in the states, especially with the conversation around CTE. Right. I mean, but dude, I had a friend die literally like this past year from CTE. Or from Muay Thai, in the ring, after. Oh shit! I'm injuries he sustained in the ring, a tie. Yeah, Damn. yeah. sorry to hear that. But, it's awful. You know, dude. I mean, he he left his wife and a, a baby behind. Yeah, and he was someone that I trained with on a daily basis, and just that is the reality of of what we do, and people don't really get that, you know. So I think those realities started setting in a little bit for, more for me as I was taking losses. And and then I started talking with someone in academia around brain injuries. Um, and that, that was the worst fucking idea ever. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Just because did, did you notice anything? Like, did they tell Absolutely. you, like, oh, this is happening? And you'll be like, oh, fuck, that's happening to me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, like what kind of I mean, things were you shifts, shifts in, you know, we all fluctuate. We all have our ups and downs, right? Sure. But like my ups and downs were getting fucking really up and really down. And then they were, you know, not being spread out like a couple weeks. Cool. I'll have a depressive state or something like that. But no, it's like fucking two, three depressive states in a week. And then, you know, I had to start figuring it out. And part of that was drug and alcohol use, right? But, yeah. Um, you know, even getting sober, I was still battling through course because i'm learning how to handle my emotions <laughs> and, and life on life's terms but i knew that i had something going on that was a little bit outside of my control and i could just feel it yeah I could feel it um, and yeah it's from that realization and then those conversations with a doctor <laughs> and and then you know therapist and then also a neurologist and then it's like oh shit okay so i actually have to start doing things to mitigate this now yeah before i'm older with bad issues so what kind of things are you doing well what i'm supposed to be doing (laughs) (laughs) uh and i you know there's there's a number of studies coming out around hyperbaric oxygen therapy and infrared saunas psilocybin and you know thc is an easy mitigation for mood stabilizing but i just i refuse to take any pharmaceuticals 
or you know like alcohol is always my choice but i never messed with pills or anything like that because it's taken a number of my family members yeah um the opiates so i there was like hey you probably need an ssri or hey you probably need some sort of mood stabilizer or, you know I'm not going to take that shit. <laughs> you know? yeah. I'm not going to take that shit. So so what have you been doing? I smoke weed. Okay. I mean, I was sober for a good two and a half years, like off of everything. No yeah. weed, no nothing. I'm still coming up on five years now, no alcohol, which I'll never go back to. Nice. Congrats. Yeah, thanks. As, as soon as, you know, I was heavy in the program for a good while. Um, but, you know, Cali Sober doesn't really... Cali Sober. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> it doesn't really go over well with OGs in the program. Yeah. Which is great. I totally understand. But, you know, like, I get it. Yeah. I do. And I I get it. Do you feel like the THC has helped? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I, I'm one of those people that... Um, it's like fucking Ritalin for a hyperactive kid for me. Yeah. You know? That's terrible. I'm over here like I won't ever take any of the shit and here I am like talking about <laughs> poisoning kids with synthetic meth. <laughs> no, no, I get it. I get it. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, you know, you hear so much about the THC and like the benefits of it. Mm-hmm. It's it is good to hear from someone who has experienced certain symptoms and then takes it and It's it's the only natural alternative. Yeah. To to any sort of mitigation like that, like mood mitigation or yeah, stabilization, I think. There's just, there's nothing else that really does what it does. Yeah. And not, it doesn't work for everybody. It's not the same for everybody. Right, yeah. You know, and, you know, I don't know. But for me, it, it helps me stay level. Cool. That's good. Yeah. Um, Have you ever had, like, CT done of your head or anything like that? And they, that's that's how you know you. I mean, besides the minor concussions. Yeah. So I had to, you know, I did some tests before fights and stuff like that. But then, yeah. So with I did, I did a scan or and I'd done a couple of tests. I forgot what they're called exactly, but they go through and kind of figure that stuff out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't good. <laughs> it wasn't good. What was the diagnosis? Well, it's just that I'm in the very top percentile for the risk of CTE. Okay. With the amount of TBIs I've had. Yeah. It's it's kind of it's just a counting thing. You're just monitoring at this point in time. Just yeah, like, I mean, yeah. dude, like I'm fine, you yeah. know? I'm I, <laughs> my brain works sometimes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I'm good, man. I mean, my memory sucks, but um it's more about just like understanding that there is some wires crossed there <laughs> or not, you know, or there is some, some ups and downs that are going to happen naturally because of my choices. And, yeah. Um, that becomes a, you know, it's like I got to I got to deal and handle. And the program gave me those tools to do that. Cool. You know? Yeah. And it weeds just the only natural medicine that I'll take. Yeah. I do feel like when people watch fights, it is entertainment to them, but also like you have to understand what the fighters go through, especially it's you're it's only striking and like you get knocked down, you get back up again, you know they give you the eight count or whatever, you get back to getting hit in the head, and uh, I don't think I I think some fans understand, but I don't think a lot of them know exactly the after effects of 
what happens. Well, I didn't know that. I didn't understand because, you know, I, you know, pretty to my own detriment, like had pretty big heart. Like I would keep fighting. Yeah. Even if I got knocked down, I would get up. And, and you see that in all of my fights is if I get knocked down and keep fighting, I get up and keep going. Uh, but I didn't know that if you're rocked, not out cold like your lights go out, but you get rocked and you're like dizzy in that state, and then you get hit again. Yeah, it's just that's further. like way worse. Yeah. than just getting knocked out cold. Yeah, I didn't know that. further damaging you the brain. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's, it's already damaged from you getting. It's rocked. damaged in shock in, in yeah. like a shock state. Yeah, and then you keep taking impact, which I was really good at doing. <laughs> <laughs> I was really good at fighting. Like stuff came out in fights while I was rocked that I didn't even know I was I could do. Yeah, yeah. you're like, holy shit, <laughs> yeah. I've got fucking superpowers. Yeah. 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 Well, I do appreciate you coming on and uh, and talking to me today for about this, you know, hour and some change. I have a couple more questions for you. Do you, Do you enjoy the coaching more or the fighting more? <sighs> Coaching right now is a little bit of a sore spot. Like, I love teaching Muay Thai. I love passing it on. And I loved fighting. Yeah. With a capital E-D there. Like, I loved it. Um, as a coach, I've, I've already, early as a coach, I've already experienced the heartbreak of, like, it's way tougher for me to watch a fighter like prepare and me helps him through a camp and then them lose than it was for me to lose, right? Yeah. Like I understood that I was going to lose in Muay Thai at the highest levels. And that's that's a big difference between MMA and boxing and Western mentality, right? It's like trying to keep a clean record. It's, it's fucking absurd in Muay Thai. It just doesn't happen. Yeah, you have hundreds of fights. Yeah, you, and everybody at the highest level is good. Yeah. Everybody's yeah. good. There's no like mismatches. Not really. Now... <clears throat> yeah my brain just skipped a beat <laughs> what okay. was the original question uh just do you inv- do you enjoy coaching more or fighting more right right so i've i've experienced some heartbreak as a coach already right like with you know i've worked under a couple other banners and that i'm kind of a character i'm my own guy you yeah. know and that doesn't really fit well under someone else's banner a lot of times <laughs> and that's okay but i also am like i'm a, a purist about the art form and, and teaching and, and then there's the business side of things as a coach that like i don't really do too well in sometimes like you're not gonna get anything but me yeah when i coach you the authenticity yeah, yeah. i'm not gonna give you what is gonna get a five-star fucking review yeah i'm gonna give you the real thing and you're gonna get me yeah. Like, and that doesn't go great in all business settings. And that's okay. So, but as a coach, also, like, I've spent a lot of time and energy and effort in building a couple people and a few people. And then seeing that, like, deteriorate because of business or because of, you know, like, it, as a coach, I, the landscape is tough. Yeah. Especially, like, you have to own a gym, basically. You have to build a gym, you have to build a business, and you have to be good at people, 
Right. Yeah. Right. You do have to have people skills. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm pretty okay <laughs> at yeah. people. I'm pretty good yeah. at people, right? But Muay Thai yeah, it's for everybody. Everybody should train Muay Thai. But Muay Thai isn't fucking for everybody. Yeah. I'm sorry. If you want real Muay Thai, you want to fight, right? And like it's not it's not easy. It's not something that you can just, you know, do. do. Yeah. My crazy ass did, but you know, I was a freak athlete and right. I had mediocre career, right? Like achieved some stuff. I did some things that before it was cool to do, fine. But combat sports are hard, man. Dude. People don't realize that no, when you get into it's it. Tough. It's tough. Now, 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 now I want to take that back. I want to retract that statement. Muay Thai is for everybody. And it there is a place for I mean, I train a sixty three year old. I train a soccer mom. I train a four year old. You know what I mean? Yeah. I also train a couple freak athletes that are specimen that if as soon as they understand Muay Thai, they could really do some cool shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, but you can't give the real thing and and help guide people through a, a an experience in the Muay Thai world without hurting some feelings. Right. It's just how it's going to happen. Now, that being said, like everybody can go, everybody can go and fight and learn and and try and test themselves, and that's the whole point of a of a art form or a pro- progression in anything, right? Anything that's worth doing is challenging. And literally, I've I've trained and helped, you know, older guys fight. Yeah. In Muay Thai, you can go to amateur tournaments and see a a masters division where dudes in their fifties are fighting, and it's fucking cool to see. Yeah. So Muay Thai is for everyone. What I mean is, like, I'm not in the place as a person to sacrifice myself as a human being and be something different to make money. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and not everybody wants to know and understand the real shit. Yeah. Most people want to do one, two hook, low kick, cross, switch kick all fucking day, bust a sweat, and feel good about themselves. And that's yeah. great. And I understand that. But I'm a Muay Thai guy. Yeah. I want to teach Muay Thai. I want yeah, I want <laughs> I want to teach Muay Thai. Teach the art. You know, that's yeah. it. I want to yeah. teach Muay Thai. That's it. And and that's what I I do. You know, I'm at O Athletic now and it's, you know, it's a different setting than like a normal martial arts or an MMA or a Muay Thai gym, right? Yeah. Completely different setting. It's a, a lot of high-paying clientele. And I've got a like I said a few guys that come and train with me privately, but outside of that, like dude, I got other shit that I do. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like filmmaking I'm making right now. Yeah, filmmaking. Filmmaking takes up half of my day yeah every day golf and golfing well that also can take up <laughs> half my day if i let it <laughs> yeah, i love yeah. golf i'm yeah. absurdly obsessed with the sport because it's the closest thing to fighting i've found since really <laughs> yeah that's a hard concept for people to understand. how does it so how does it translate dude i was i was talking to pete one time pete Stan- stankovich uh san antonio ambush muay thai he just won the wbc belt in muay thai he's, he's a stud he's a stud a good dude to character we're both we, we see eye to eye a lot of things but we're both characters right yeah and i said to him he's like tell me about this golf shit because his coach uh his brother's a pro and and 
Bobby and Bobby Peak and or something like that, right? But <laughs> Pete was like, "What do I hear about you golfing, bro? <laughs> what the fuck? What are you doing?" It's like you could still fight for another five years. What are you doing? And I'm like, "Bro, no, you don't understand. Like, this shit is is fighting." I was like, "What?" And he was like, "Explain it." And I was like, "Look, in golf, you are fighting yourself the whole time." That's true. Yeah, it's, I mean, sure, it's an athletic movement. It's it's a, a series of of matchups that equal impact, direction, and fucking all these variables to get a ball, a little fucking ball, to go a certain yardage, a certain direction with a certain amount of spin, the flight, trajectory, yada, yada, yada. But if you don't accept what's going to happen before you take that fucking swing, in every swing, just like a fight, if you don't have acceptance around the fact that that you're swinging a fucking stick <laughs> at a little ball and anything could fucking happen, yeah. <laughs> right? You're going to have a hard time. You're going to have a hard time. It's just like fighting, right? You're fighting yourself. That's all it is. It's You're not fighting an opponent. Yeah. You're fighting yourself. And I wasn't good at fighting myself in Muay Thai, right? I wasn't good at, at battling my own internal battles throughout fight camps and fights. like, And that that's what kept me distracted. Like, golf, I found this new fucking movement that doesn't give me brain damage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? And you can work on the fighting the, the inside. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and the mental side of it is probably the hardest part about golf, which is the same thing in fighting. It's it's really the mental side of it. I mean, sure, the physical aspects and strategy and fight IQ and all that shit, but it's, it's really mental. Yeah. It's really mental. 100%. Yeah. yeah. Last question of the day. Do you have any advice for someone looking to follow in your footsteps don't terming in in uh, determining like like going to thailand and oh fighting. okay okay, okay. So don't follow my <laughs> footsteps like the, to the your your muay thai career footsteps. yeah so i know i'm kidding um but <laughs> i think that um you need a teacher <laughs> you need someone that understands it understands the game and their own personal motives aren't going to get in the way of your progression. And that's really fucking hard to find. And when I say you need a teacher, you need someone, if you want to, to fight and be successful in Muay Thai, you need someone that has done it. Absolutely. That, and that understands it. And that's really hard to find, especially as a foreigner. Um, so I would say find someone that's done it. And there, there's there's a few of us around. But find someone that's done it and that is going to help you get to the level. And A is going to give you some, you know, <laughs> managing your expectations talk too because nobody wanted to tell me that I was a crazy motherfucker when I was like, I'm going to go be a stadium champ. I'm yeah. going to, you know, be the best in the world in, in my weight class in Muay Thai. And like, nobody really had the heart to be like, well, Sanzo, let's be realistic here. Like, maybe you'll get close to the top 10. Like, maybe you don't have much time. Like, you know, nobody really gave me guidance. Yeah. Nobody gave me guidance. Even there, a couple people and friends and people that I trained with tried to keep me from making mistakes. But I would say really, really try to understand the nuances of the sport. 
I mean, the business, I mean, the, the, the promotion sides of it, like what creates value as a fighter, like understanding what's snake oil and what's real and what, you know, the real Muay Thai. To really get that, you need someone that's done it. And that's it. I mean, it's the same thing you would tell anybody that wants to do boxing or wants, you know what I mean? Like you have to talk to someone that's done it or learn from someone that's done it. You know, I don't have the capacity to open a gym and train full time yet. I will in the future, you know, some other things that I've been working on for a long time. Like I yeah. come to fruition and, and I can kind of chill and my son's old enough to start whacking shit. Like, yeah, I'll yeah. probably open a gym and, and have, you know, probably a pretty dope Muay Thai gym wherever I'm at and if it's here or wherever and that will happen in the future but you know going to someone that's done it and is going to keep you from the pitfalls that I found <laughs> yeah. yeah yes like that is the most important thing now if you're a little crazy like me you're going to have a hard time finding someone that wants to put a risk on their name by trying to help you so that's another thing. Yeah. <laughs> that's another thing. Like, you've got to be kind of fucking crazy to do this shit. You know what I mean? Absolutely. You've got to. Yeah. Kind of, like, to really commit to a, a life of Muay Thai or a life of fighting, a life of, I mean, that's even crazy. To, to someone at a young age being like, I want to fight MMA, I'm going to look at him and be like, bro, Muay Thai is a lot easier. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not a lot easier, right, as a sport. Right. In a path, necessarily, but... You better be pretty fucking good at wrestling. You better be pretty fucking good at striking. You better be really good at jujitsu too. Like you, yeah. you can't. There's no. You can't just be good at one or the other anymore. Right. right. Muay Thai, sure, there's styles, but like, it's stand up. That's it's it. fucking Muay Thai. Yeah. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, it is just Muay Thai. Yeah, it's yeah. Muay Thai. It's its own sport. Its own martial art. It, there is Muay Thai, and then there's striking. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Absolutely. So, I mean, now there is a lot of Muay Thai and striking for MMA and right. kickboxing. And, you know, kickboxing is a dumbed-down version of Muay Thai. <laughs> just so everyone knows. <laughs> One of my close friends was just talking to me about that yesterday. He was like, bro, who does kickboxing? Just just do Muay Thai. Just don't do kickboxing. Just skip over it and <clears> just go to Muay Thai. There's a lot of talk <laughs> in the kickboxing world about how... You know, kickboxing is struggling and, and how it's hurting. And, uh, well, yeah, <laughs> because Muay Thai is growing. Yeah. Muay Thai is growing. Yeah, for sure. And it's getting massive. <laughs> it is, yeah. It is. Especially and, with, like we were talking about earlier, with the one championship. And like yeah. They're, it's just a much cooler striking system. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I mean, that's it. I agree. So, well, again... I appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, it was. I hope people have learned a lot about Muay Thai from this this podcast. I know it was very informative to me, and I appreciate you coming on. And we'll talk to you soon. This has been the Matt Mindset. I'm Drew Elder, and I hope everyone has a great day. <laughs>